$10 pound puppy. All right? In 1989, American households scrambled to get a new Game Boy. Followed by the 1995 Beanie Baby craze. Come on now, admit it. Do you have a bunch of Beanie Babies somewhere tucked away? Yeah, okay. All right. 1996. This was a sad year. Tickle Me Elmo. That was a sad year. Okay. Let's see. Uh, in the ensuing years, American consumers knocked themselves out to buy the following top yearly must-have Christmas gifts. 2002, iPod. 2006, the weirdest spelled thing in the world, W-I-I. We. It's a foreign language. 2010, the Kindle. 2011, here we go. The Angry Birds board game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get that. 2013, I don't even know what this one is. Doc McStuffins doll? Has anybody heard of a Doc McStuffins doll? I guess I'm just out of the loop. I have no clue what that is. Evidently, it's a doll. And I have to finish with this one. 2015, and this has probably driven many people crazy since then, the Frozen Sing-Along Elsa doll. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Any parents ever regret that purchase, huh? (laughs) Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. (laughs) I have never watched the Frozen movie. Never. And I have determined that that's the one thing I'm going to be able to say until Jesus returns, is that I've never seen the Frozen movie. Even when grandkids come. We'll see how strong my resolve is then. But. So today, we're not going to talk about the gifts that we give each other. We're going to talk about God's gift to each and every single person. No one left out. No one left out. And... People were totally surprised when it came. We're looking back. But you know what? When it happened, they didn't expect it. It was I mean, they knew it was coming, but they didn't expect it at that time. Let me say a prayer, and we'll get started with the message. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, your word is eternal. Father, it's been, it was written so long ago, over so many years, and yet it applies so much to every person. And as we read through your word today, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will cause it to be very real and we will see what you're wanting to show people even today. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When the unexpected happened, my first thing that I want to, uh, first point is, God had promised to send a Savior. He promised it long before it ever happened. And we just, I just want to go through some scriptures that show that. So God had spoken through various prophets, but I'm just going to focus on the prophet Isaiah. And he was a prophet in Jerusalem. And uh, goodness, uh, he, there's a book, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament that was written by that prophet. And that book was written between, uh, they say, 700 and 680 B.C., So a long time before Jesus ever came. But in that book, God tells us he's sending a Savior. He's sending a Messiah. 
So we're going to look at some of those verses. Isaiah 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Listen, you see that on lots of Christmas cards. But there was no person writing the Christmas card that came up with that. God did. 700 years before Jesus ever came, a virgin is going to have a child. He's going to be God with us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Very familiar verse to us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. There's this child that's coming that's going to be called God. Man, prophesied so long ago. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And it does go on. The prophecy goes on from there. God told us, I'm sending a Savior. Now, he also prophesied not just about the birth of the Savior, but he also prophesied about the death of the Savior. And I know today's Christmas, and we, we focus on the birth of Christ. But you've got to get the whole picture. So let's just look at the prophecies about this one who was coming who would die also. And that's in Isaiah 53. Starting with verse 4, we're going to read a few verses there. It's talking about this suffering servant. Never says by name who it is, but God is sending this servant who's going to die. Verse 7. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people realized that he was dying for their sins? 700 years before Jesus ever came, God says, I'm sending this one. He's my son. He's going to die for your sins. It's amazing that he was suffering their punishment. Verse 9. He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Verse 11. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. God said, I'm sending a Savior. I'm sending your Messiah. He's going to be born as a man through a virgin. But he's going to die a criminal's death for you. The perfect sacrifice. It's amazing. That is amazing. Let's go to the second point. second point is this. God had promised to send a Savior. Mary didn't expect to see it. She didn't expect to see it. The appointed time came, but nobody knew. You know, it was a total surprise. 23 days ago, on November 30th, nobody knew that five miles from Anchorage, the pressure under the Earth's surface was going to reach a critical point and something had to give. How many of you knew that was going to happen? 
No clue. How many of you, Adam knew, and you were not a very good friend because you did not call me and tell me? Everybody was living their lives just like they do every day. I went through my day as usual. I was just, it was Friday, Friday morning. I went up, I went to the gym. I was on mile three or four on the elliptical, somewhere in there. And uh, it was at Planet Fitness. I had the, the setting on random so that, you know, it was kind of that my workout would, would vary. But at 8.30 in the morning, that workout got more random than it has ever been before. <laughs> I mean, that machine was doing things it had never done before. <clears throat> it was an obstacle course there for a while. I had no clue that was coming. You know, everyone else in Planet Fitness, they're kind of like, is this an earthquake? We're all moving around, and they're, is this an earthquake? <laughs> you know, it's like, and then everybody went for the door. Everything changed. That, that 7.0 quake got me completely by surprise. And then there was a lot of effects afterwards that we had to deal with. Clean up, patch up, <laughs> fix. Well, 2,000 years ago, everyone was living their lives just as they always did. Life isn't usual. They had no clue that this appointed time that God had told the prophet to proclaim hundreds of years earlier, they had no clue this was the time. It caught them completely by surprise. God sent a messenger to talk to this young lady, this young woman, Mary. And in Luke 1, verse 26, it says this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, King David. The virgin's name was Mary. Mary was just living another day. She's engaged, she's betrothed to Joseph. She might be thinking about the future wedding day. You know, I mean, she was just living her day. And then everything changed in a moment. Let's read it, Luke 1, 29. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. That's what that name means. You're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What a message to get. Now, as a young Jewish woman, I assume that Mary was familiar with the prophecies of Isaiah. I would assume that most Jewish people were. You know, the book of Isaiah, that's something they'd heard since they were children. And this, this prophecy of a, of a virgin giving birth and all that stuff, she'd heard it, I'm sure. But she never expected it to be her. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Mary hadn't expected this at all. 
But she did embrace it. Her response, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. So Mary didn't expect this. Caught her completely by surprise. But she embraced it. Now let's talk about Joseph for a moment. He didn't expect this. He didn't expect this at all. Now Joseph and Mary, they were betrothed. They were engaged to be married. In Jewish law, betrothal involved a formal binding contract between witnesses. By the betrothed, but the betrothed abstained from sexual relations, and the woman remained at her father's house until the actual wedding ceremony. They were considered husband and wife already. Once they had made that agreement of marriage, they were considered husband and wife, but they never got together yet until the official wedding ceremony. And the the woman would typically live with her family until that ceremony, whenever that happened. So the betrothed referenced each other as husband and wife, even though they had never come together yet. The contract could only be terminated by death or divorce. So they were betrothed, they weren't living together yet, they were going to be officially married, but they're considered married at this time. And and if you're going to break that, it takes a divorce to do so. So this is what happens with Joseph. It became very evident to Joseph that Mary was pregnant. You can only hide that so long. Okay? And then it just becomes obvious. And Joseph knew he wasn't the father. Okay? He knew that. I don't know if Mary had tried to explain to him, an angel, this is the Holy Spirit came. I don't know if if she tried to explain all that to him. If she did, he wasn't really embracing it. Okay? So the scriptures tell us in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, that uh, Joseph, he's got a crisis in his life. And he has to make a decision. And this is what he decides. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her public, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he came to a conclusion. I'm not the dad of this child. I'm going to divorce her. But I'm not going to make a big spectacle of it. I'm not going to embarrass her in front of everybody. I'm just going to do it discreetly. You know, and our relationship is over. Joseph hadn't expected the Messiah to come at this time. They knew the Messiah would come. They believed he would come. But they didn't expect it at this time. So, God steps in. Matthew 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, he was a descendant of King David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are going to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The Lord saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means 
God with us. Joseph hadn't expected this, but you know what? Just like Mary, he embraced it. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Just like he was told. Well, this is Christmas. But Jesus doesn't stay a baby. You know, he doesn't stay a baby. We have baby Jesus right here. And uh, the lambs. Very realistic, aren't they? The preschoolers, the daycare, they love to come in here and play with the lambs and baby Jesus. I did a chapel service on Wednesday, and uh, baby Jesus had been abducted from his manger. And then when the chapel started, all the kids were called, and they were in here playing in this room, and they're all seated with their teachers. And I'm up here, and I'm looking, and there's no Jesus. I'm looking around. They left Jesus in the corner. They put Jesus on a timeout. <laughs> and, and, and I said, uh, where's baby Jesus? And then the kids, oh, and they ran over and got him and said, you know, I don't think Jesus was ever on a timeout, ever. I'm pretty sure it never happened. Jesus didn't stay a baby. I want us to look at some uh, quotes, some words that Jesus himself said after he grew up. And he began to tell people who he was. He began to tell them, I am from heaven. I'm from above. And I've come for a purpose. And he began to tell them that he was God's son. A lot of people rejected that, but let's just look at his words. John 3.16, those are the words of Jesus. He said these things. For God so loved the world. Christmas is about love. It's about love. But it's not about our love for God. It's all about His love for us. That is the focus of Christmas. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, it doesn't matter who you are, if in your heart you can embrace that God sent His Son to die for your sins so that you would not be punished by God, Jesus actually was punished in your place. And you can embrace that. And you can receive Him into your life. This is what He says. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. See, the world was already condemned. The world was already guilty for all the sin that was in each person's life. Jesus wasn't sent to show us how bad we were. Jesus was sent to save us from that. Save the world through Him. Jesus' words in John 10. Real short phrase. He said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus came to lay down his life. His closest followers didn't even understand that. They did believe he was the son of God, but they didn't understand that he came to die. They they didn't get that. The night that Jesus was betrayed, and um, a mob came, and they were taking him to put him on a trial that had already been determined he was going to be declared guilty, and then killed. I mean, that was already predetermined. It was going to happen. But the night that that mob came... Peter, one of the disciples, he tried to stop it from happening. He had a sword with him. 
Remember this? You know, I think he was aiming for the guy's head, but he ended up cutting off a guy's ear. You know, that story. <clears throat> this is Jesus' response. Matthew 26, verse 52. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will be killed by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. Jesus said, I could stop this at any time. This mob is no match for my father. But look what he said. He'd send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen? The prophecies of Isaiah, the other prophecies. Jesus said, they must be fulfilled. I must die for the world. That's why I came. When Jesus was on the cross, one of the last words he said is, it is finished. And then he died. What was finished? The whole reason he came to be the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the whole world. As he's there on that cross, all of your sins, all of my sins were put on Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, last words, it is finished. It's done. I've done what the Father sent me to do. In Hebrews, it sums it up like this. Hebrews 9.26 He, Jesus, came once for all time at the end of the age to remove the power of sin which had the power to condemn, enslave, and bring people under judgment. To remove the power of sin forever by his sacrificial death for us. And just as it is destined that each person dies only once and after that comes judgment, that's a little scary. I mean, before I had God in my life, the thought of standing before God one day was not a good thought. So I dealt with it in a very mature manner. I thought about something else. Standing before God, uh, what's on TV? (laughs) I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with that. But just as it is destined that each person dies only once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. For God so loved this world, he sent his only son. Christmas is a, it is a rejoicing time. Jesus says in Philippians, he, took, he set aside all of his deity because he was God the Son, right. eternal. He set aside all of his deity and became a human, just like you and I. He literally set it all aside, came down here to live as a human, but one who never sinned, and he became the sacrifice for our sins. Now, God had promised to send a Savior. Mary didn't expect to see it. But she embraced it. Joseph didn't expect to see that. But he embraced it. Now I'm going to get a little personal here. I didn't expect to see it. Well, you're not that old. You weren't. No, no, I'm not talking about, you know, I wasn't back then. 
But let me just share a little something. I grew up pretty much without God. Okay? I, I know I've shared this. Some of you have heard this many times. But I can't change my testimony. Otherwise, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not telling the truth. So you just have to hear the same thing all the time. But I grew up, you know, in a family that wasn't anti-God, but it just didn't have anything to do with God. Okay? Didn't go to church. Didn't read the Bible. Didn't have a Bible. Didn't pray. You know, none of that stuff. None of it. That's, that's how I grew up. God just was not a part of our lives. And uh, Christmas, I love Christmas because it was all about Santa. That really nice person that brought you presents, you know. How he did that, I do not know. But he got into our house and brought presents every year. That was Christmas. I remember as a kid, do you remember claymation movies? Do you remember those? The little drummer boy, did anybody see that one? All those little clay figures. Listen, amazing. It's, it's magic. But anyway, these clay figures. And the little drummer boy, and he wanted to do something for Jesus. And so, I mean, I heard about Jesus growing up. But I didn't get it. You know, I, I, I didn't get it. Just didn't understand it. So, pretty much grew up without God. And uh, one day, I'm 18 now. And uh, my brother is a year older than me. And we're out cruising. Even back in my day, we cruised. You know, I mean, I think that'll probably, you know, maybe cruising in spaceships in the future, but we'll still be cruising. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't, my vehicle, I was fixing up a truck, and it wasn't done yet, so we couldn't really cruise in mine until we got it finished. But my brother had a Corvette, okay? 69 Corvette convertible. 427, four speed. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. So we're cruising. I grew up in a town of 90 people. Doesn't take long to cruise a town of 90 people. You got to find other towns. <laughs> you got to, Nebraska, you got to drive a ways to another town. So we drove to another town, cruising around. Done with that town. Let's go to another one. Go to another town. Cruising around. Between towns, I'm sitting there. My brother was driving. He was his car. He was driving. And I said, there has got to be more to life than this. Amen. And he said, I know. And that was the end of the conversation. We just totally <laughs> never talked about it ever again. <laughs> That's how deep we were. <laughs> but... Even though I didn't know what it was, something was missing. It's kind of like life just, it, it just didn't have that purpose. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. So, you know, God sent a messenger to Mary, sent an angel to actually talk to her. And God sent a messenger to, to Joseph, and it was an angel in a dream. God sent messengers to me, too. Now, it wasn't an angel. It wasn't a dream. But God started sending people to me who knew Jesus. And one of the first instances that really stuck out, I was a, car a carpenter, worked for a small construction company, and I injured my hand in a saw and, and uh, had to have it stitched up. It was just my finger. 
And uh, after I had that done, I was driving the company truck, you know, like this with my hand, you know, kind of on the door, how you drive. And I stopped somewhere. Another contractor came up to me. He saw this huge, those guards that they put on your finger if you injure them. You know what I mean? They're, they're gigantic. I mean, they're just huge. And he saw that on my finger and he said, what happened to you? I said, no, I, mean, I was really lucky. I got it in a chop saw and it cut down to the bone, but it didn't get any tendons. It didn't do any damage. It was just meat, you know. And so I said, I was really lucky. And he looked at me and said, you weren't lucky. You were blessed. Luck is for heathen. I didn't know what a heathen was for sure. <laughs> so, so anyway, he went his way and I went mine. But those words wouldn't leave me. What's a heathen? I don't think it's a good thing to be a heathen. <laughs> I think maybe I am a heathen. <laughs> I couldn't get rid of those words. They stuck in my heart. So, I'm a heathen. How do you stop, how do you stop being a heathen? What? It just stuck with me. God started sending people to me, trying to get me to understand this message about Jesus. And uh, my boss, who was not a good example... He, evident, he grew up in a Christian home. I didn't know any of this, but he backslid as a teenager and he was away from God. I started working with him. He was not a good influence on my life. Uh, he's a little bit wild, and, but we, we became real close friends. But then his life started changing. And all of his employees are like, what is going on with this guy? And he starts telling us about Jesus. I mean, he was using Jesus' name as a cuss word before, and now he's telling us about Jesus. Very awkward. You know, when you don't know Jesus, to even say his name is hard. So anyway, he's telling us about Jesus, and, you know, we need Jesus, and, and I, I just listen. Never responded, never asked another question. Just waited until he was done talking, you know, and then we'd move on and do whatever. But God was sending messengers to me. Because... Jesus came for me too. It wasn't something that was just for people 2,000 years ago. So anyway, and I apologize if you heard the story before, but my boss, he was a little bit deceptive, but he came to me and said, Mike, you should go to this movie over in this other town. You could meet some girls there. I grew up in a town of 90 people. doesn't take long to meet the girls there, okay? So I thought, okay, I'll go. He did not tell me that the church he was now going to rented the city auditorium to show a Christian movie <laughs> and were inviting people. He never said anything. He said, you can go to this movie and meet some girls. That's what he told me. So I went. I was so set up. <laughs> Yes, you can be deceptive and used of God, I guess, okay? So I'm in this auditorium with other people, and this movie starts, and it's a religious movie. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? It's a, it's a movie about the end times, Revelation, A Thief in the Night, that was the movie. And so I'm watching this thing and it's like showing what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back and people weren't ready and, and it's telling the gospel how you can know Jesus and be forgiven. And I'm just, I'm hearing all of this stuff. Then when the movie's over with, there was no appeal, you know, if you want prayer for anything, just, they just, it was just like done. 
So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I leave the building. I don't care about girls anymore. <laughs> girls are just not in my mind at all. And that was the first night I probably ever really talked with God. 18 years old. First night I ever really talked with God. So I'm riding my motorcycle home. A Highway 20. With my eyes open praying. <laughs> and I said, God, if this stuff is true, if this stuff is really true, then I want it. This was also new to me. But I remember, God, if you can give me a new life, I'll take it. I'll take it. I remember the verses that they shared in that movie, the actors, about how, you know, confess your sins and so on. So I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. You know, I have no problem confessing that. I know I'm a sinner. But I want a new life. And I'd give my life to you. I didn't even know to ask Jesus into my heart. I didn't even know any of that. So I didn't even say that in the prayer. It's just like, I, I just give my life to you. It's yours. And you know what? I didn't expect to see the Savior. But when I finally understood it, I embraced it. That's 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Jesus changed my life. I don't know where I'd be if I'd never received him because I was into some bondage junk and I don't know how far it would have gone. But he saved me. He changed me. I have failed God at times over those last 40 years. But he has never failed me in those 40 years. And I know Jesus. I know him. And today, I guess I'm God's messenger to you. Many of you know Jesus yourself. Some of you in this room don't. Some of you wonder if it's even true. Some of you wonder, how does this apply to my life? Well, I'm telling you, it applies to your life. But it's a big decision. Because I was just living my life the way I wanted to live it, doing what I wanted to do. And sin for me was something you just didn't want to get caught doing. I didn't have any problem sinning. I just didn't want to get caught doing it. That's the way my life was. But when Jesus finally showed me, he died for me. He wanted to forgive me. He wanted to bring me into God's family where God would become my father and help me walk through this life. When I finally understood that, I wanted, I wanted that more than the sin. I wanted him. I wanted him. And uh, worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. So today, I'm God's messenger. I'm not an angel. My wife's pretty close, but, <laughs> but I'm not an angel. But I know the, that God wants to speak to some people and say, I want you. I've actually been pursuing you. 
And you've maybe been kind of shoving me off, and you've been trying to do other things, and you've been trying to... But I'm pursuing you, because I want you. So, I'm going to give anyone here today an opportunity to embrace Jesus. The Savior who came to die for you. You know, I remember my first Christmas.